Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with this week's host, Helen Hillix. I'm Todd Benton, your co-host. Today's topic, do we have a Granny Rocks within? Let's talk to Beth Green, founder of Granny Rocks Music. Do we have creative capacities we haven't tapped into? Maybe. Granny Rocks is the new musical venture of Beth Green, former host of Interrevolutionary Radio and already a well-known commentator, author, counselor, and teacher. Granny is an inspiration. A chronically ill 72-year-old semi-invalid, Beth is launching a new career as a singer-songwriter, composer-arranger, and it's working. Her music is fresh, exciting, beautiful, touching, outside the box, and we love it. Beth's musical career was blocked by illness at the age of 15, but she's coming back strong at the age of 72. How is she doing it? How is Granny using technology to compensate for her lack of physical capacities? How does she face the challenges and keep going? What can we take away for our own lives and creativity? Tune in, find out, and sample some of the delicious Granny Rocks music we'll be sharing on air. We'll also learn about a retreat on living life creatively that Beth will soon be leading in person and online. And now, here's Helen. Thank you, Todd. I'm so excited about today's host, host guest. <laughs> I'm so excited about myself. I can't, I can't, I, I'm so excited. Anyway, I am so excited about everybody on the show. I love you all and I love all our listeners, but I do have a couple of news articles first. One of them just really touched me. I can hardly even talk about it without crying. Uh, one of our listeners, Amy, sent it in. It's an NPR uh, article. And it's called How a Danish Town Helped Young Muslims Turn Away from ISIS. And one of the things that touched me, I have to say about this, um, and it's, it's, I don't know if it's newly on or somebody just no, newly found it. It's but, from a year ago. It was from the show Invisibilia. Yeah, I, but I still think it's so unbelievably pertinent. And one of the things that touched me about it, Beth, was it's exactly what you've been teaching for years. And, you know, most of our listeners already know you and know that you're a spiritual teacher and an activist. But it, this is the story, is that it's how one day in 2012, a group of policemen in a Danish town were sitting around in a little, I guess it's a little town called Aarhus, um, in Denmark, and it has very little crime, and they were noticing, though, that they were losing some of their Muslim young men to Syria, and they were alarmed because they were afraid they were going to be radicalized and come back, you know, and be terrorists, and it, they had tried the the usual way of, you know, coming down on them with police or military force or intervention or whatever, and of course, it didn't work at all. And so they decided they were going to try something completely different. And there were two prevention officers named Link and Arslev. And they decided that they were going to deal with them by doing a counter-complementary measure, which is uh, most known from Gandhi and Martin Luther King, that meeting force and violence with with, uh, passivity, you know, pacifism. And so they decided they were going to reach out to kids that they had, that were identified as at least beginning to think uh, in radical Muslim ways and embrace them 
and bring them in. And there was one such kid, the story's mainly about one kid who was, um, he was really trying to fit in. He was from Somalia and he was the only black kid in the neighborhood. And anyway, he was really trying to fit in, but he got slammed for making one negative comment. And instead of coming down on him, this, this officer link called him up and said, I want to apologize I want to apologize for the way that you've been treated, and I want to embrace you, and I want to show you that you have a place in Denmark. And that is their whole their whole attitude, is if a child, you know, a young person, it doesn't mean necessarily a child, they're usually older teens, are identified as possibly becoming radicalized, they embrace them and offer them a, a Muslim mentor, and really try and show them that they're welcome, that they are, that we want to understand you and we're sorry for any mistreatment you've had. And they've had incredible success, it, incredible success, you know, from, you know, uh, 15 or 20 people going or 30 people going to Syria a year to one. Yeah. And I just thought that was amazing. And I, I wanted to talk about it because you're here too, Beth, and it really uh, shows what you've been saying forever and ever, that it's yep. true. That, that we need to change our connection to one another. Exactly. We need to change our relationships. That's what the book Living with Reality is all about, and how do we change our relationships with one another. Yes, and that you have to be yeah. in the oneness yeah. We have to be in the oneness, and there has to be mutual support and accountability. We have yeah. to say we're sorry. You know, you've yeah. been saying this since 2001 when 9-11 happened is, you know, yeah. why did it happen and what is our responsibility? Yeah. And you were you were booed off the air, but you yeah. were right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, the, the, the next article was sent in by our, our co-host, Todd. Um, it's on Fast Company, and it's giving my employees paid leave for activism, ignited a firestorm, I do it again. And it's written by Adam Kleinberg, who's the head of Traction, uh, and he decided to give his employees two days paid leave a year to do activist anything they want. And it's not just for Democrats. It's not, you know, it's for anything you want to to be active in and uh, to to uh, protest, uh, to march, to do whatever kind of activist work you want to do. And he said he believes that that makes a, you know, it's called days of action. And he said the act, the backlash was very swift that, is it Breibert? Is that how you say it? That uh, the right wing... Breibert. Right, part, yeah. yeah, that they just were, wrote scathing things about it and, uh, you know, saying that, you know, this proves that there are paid uh, anti-Trump people at the oh. protest. <laughs> paid agitators. Exactly. That's what they used to call exactly. them under Edgar Hoover right. 40 exactly. years ago, 50 years ago. 60 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, paid agitators, exactly. And that, you know, some, even some high-tech companies said, you know, we might have considered doing business with you, but now we're not. But he okay. said, in spite of all of that, there has been a, a real overwhelming wave of support coming his way and that he doesn't care about the lost business. He said it makes him feel even more that he did the right thing and that <laughs> he's heard. Right on. Exactly. And that he's heard from a, uh, numerous other companies that small and large who have said they're going to do the same thing. <laughs> so 
I just yeah. thought those were two just lovely articles about positive mm-hmm. things that are happening in our world. Yeah. And now I want to get to you, Beth, and talk to Granny Rocks herself. <laughs> and, you know, the whole, the whole intro about you is so touching about how your life as a musician, and I know that you were on track to be a concert pianist and, uh, you know, that you got scarlet fever and... Uh, rheumatic and fever. Rheumatic fever. Scarlet fever as a young child, yeah. right? And then mm-hmm. rheumatic fever when you're 15. Yeah. Uh, and just that was the end of your career because you were off for a year and in bed for a year, right? And well, just a year and a half, actually. But it, it wasn't just that. It was the aftermath is that I never recovered. And my hands and elbows and my body just uh, never recovered. And I couldn't play or do anything physical. Right. So... What did you do? You know, you didn't just lie there like a lot of people would have. You have had an amazingly full life of being a political activist, you know, fighting for wages for housework and involved in the anti-Vietnam movement and the anti-war nuclear bomb movement and just, you know, unbelievable life of activism in spite of your disabilities. You've started organizations you have headed organizations, you've become a great intuitive counselor and a renowned author and all these things that you've done. And now you're 72 years old when most people would have long been retired and you're starting a new career. (laughs) And it just blows my mind. Well, I'm insane. That's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Even, Even I think I'm insane. Well, one of the things that you've said over the years is that you are a needless optimist. Yes. And that is one of my favorite characteristics that you possess in spades, is that you're a needless optimist. And I so admire that. And that, to me, is the essence of this whole thing, is that you you never give up. You, you know, And I'd like the audience to know that just yesterday... Beth fell off her chair and severely injured her shoulder and her arm and her knee and can't move her arm. And this is right at the very end of her first album as Granny Rocks. And she's almost done with her last song of the album and now she can't finish it. But is she going to quit? Hell no. Hell no. Absolutely not. So why don't you talk about how you started this Granny Rocks uh, calling? How how did it come to you? I mean, was it out of the ethers? Is it another one of those things that God just said you're going to be Granny Rocks? Or how did it happen? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure that I know myself. Um, in my mid-50s, uh, you see, from the time that I was 15, I was cut off from music. And I couldn't play at all. I would try. Every once in a while, I would try. And I just couldn't do it. I was in too much pain. I would become crippled. And um, if I did anything repetitive with my hand. And um, in my mid-50s, a friend of mine took me to a concert. Now, uh, people, it's not just that I'm in pain. It's that I've been just completely, pretty much totally disabled. And so I've been uh, housebound since 1983. I've been bedridden for years at a time, so I don't have a lot of capacity to go out and do things, right, that normal people do. Or, 
uh, even abnormal people as yourselves do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when I would organize demonstrations, uh, I, I would organize them, but I couldn't march myself because I couldn't walk. So, um, and no, nobody has been able to figure out what to do about my health. So, you know, I just age and become more decrepit or, and keep compounding the problem over the years. But um, in, in terms of music, so these friends, they took me out. I actually went to a concert and um, they put me in a box seat, which was cool. I don't know where they got it from. And I heard this guy and I'm not going to say who he was. But it was kind of a new agey pianist. And I listened to this guy play. And I said, that is so simple-minded. I could do that. Now, I have to say, that's why I don't want to say who it was. But I have to say, of course, that I really couldn't do it. But see, this is in my fantasy world. I said, this is simple. This music is simple. It's not like playing Bach or Beethoven or Chopin, you know. This is simple music. So I was kind of inspired by that. And I met a guy who I married, and um, I didn't know what to do. We, I had a piano, which I couldn't play, and he couldn't play the guitar. So we, we were great together. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, this is really weird. I was standing in the shower one day. That's when I still could take showers. And I started hearing this music in my head. da 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 Forget about my singing. And, uh, <laughs> this this really weird haunting melody came to me, and I knew that I needed to do something with it. So um, I found out that they had new kinds of keyboards that uh, were not that they were, you know were electronic kinds of gadgets instead of regular acoustic pianos, and, and they were easy to touch. They Soft were easier touch. easier to play, and so I did my first album of music on this and it was a nightmare trying to figure out how to make the electronic part work and it wasn't all that easy and the action was too hard for me but um, I started doing this music and then uh, I got got a computer they started doing computer music and this was in the 1990s and I discovered that if I could actually take that music and record it into the computer that I could edit it with the mouse and um, through this MIDI stuff. And so no matter how lousy it was, I could fix it. Now, I couldn't do too much of it because I couldn't really use the mouse that much because my arm doesn't work very well. But I was able to, over time, fix the music sufficiently so that it was at least playable. It sounded decent. And all these other instruments came with it. It's like, oh, the space voice. And that became my first CD, The Gift of Peace, which I uh, created in 2001, 2003, whenever we did, when did we invade Iraq? 2002? Anyway, whenever that was, I made this into an album called The Gift of Peace because I was opposing the invasion of Iraq as being stupid. And, um, and, I, and I released this album, and it had some different voices that came out of these electronic instruments, and it was just wild. Because uh, out of the blue, I discovered that I could compose. Now, I did not know that I could compose. When I was a classical pianist, and I, uh, I never thought I was going to be a concert pianist because I was always weak, even as a child. I didn't have the physical strength to really play that well, but I was talented, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I I got ahead because I was talented, but not uh, there. I could never have been a concert pianist with the body that I already had <laughs> before right. I got sicker. Right. right. But anyway, I knew I couldn't compose. I could not improvise. I was trained to read notes and play them as accurately as I possibly could to make it sound like what Chopin wanted or whatever. And so to discover that I was creative in this way was absolutely astounding. And uh, so assume it was around 2002 and I was born in 1945. You do the math and um, you can figure out how old I was. 57. 57, I discovered that I could compose music. But I was very insecure and I, I could do it for maybe two weeks and then I became totally crippled and then I would put it away for a couple of years and then suddenly I would get that feeling oh my god I have to do another CD uh, I did make a CD and it is available as a free download at the innerrevolution.org as is my Living with Reality book which I mentioned earlier so the next one was The Soul's Journey Through Darkness and Light and I had a different keyboard and more nightmares of trying to figure out how to make it work and more problems with the computer and more gremlins and I had to hire somebody again to help me with the technical stuff and show me how to use all these programs because I was too dumb to figure it out. And I spent like two arduous weeks or three arduous weeks going through, living through migraines. I was driven to write this music. It was like, and, and the process was so bizarre because I'd sit down and I would hear, put in a xylophone or put in, I had all these other instruments now that I had gotten that went along with this. They were developing this computer uh, software kind of stuff. And so sometimes I wouldn't know anything. I would just sit there and I would just hear, okay, start. And I would start playing a line of music one note at a time, right? Not like a pianist where you're playing all, you know, eight notes or six notes or whatever. Just one note and it would be a melody line. And I would have laid down a track. And then I would hear, use the violin. And then I would (laughs) do another track. And sometimes I said, oh, that sucks. And then they said, change it to a cello or whatever. And um, and so then I would start to create another line because, see, I couldn't play chords, right? So I started to write counterpoint. And uh, a lot of my music is in counterpoint because I can't play like a normal person. Right. So counterpoint is like more than one uh, you know, voice at a time. And music would just pour out. It almost, it was like it was written by somebody else. And which is very similar. You know, I write fiction and nonfiction. And most of my books have been like that. Except for Living with Reality, which just took me nine years to write. Instead of two weeks or three weeks. But then at the end of these two or three weeks, you know, God would drop me like, you know, a a, a dead potato on the ground. Because I had used up any possible capacity I had to do this. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't stand the pain anymore. And then I would, you know, try. Then I had to go through this editing. And I want to tell you the editing is a nightmare, especially if you have a, a body that hurts. But it would be done. And then suddenly I had another CD of music. And, and you know, it sounds actually simpler than it was because there were so many gremlins. It would, uh, computers would break. I, I started another uh, CD called In the Mist. And this music came to me, and I, I managed to get it all down before my computer crashed, and I lost all of the music. 
And then I got another computer, and it and the computer didn't work. And you get a brand new computer, and the on button doesn't work. And then I get another computer, and the CPU doesn't work, and the hard drive is broken. And the <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I was living in Bonds at the time. I think I knew you. And then it was one thing after another. In fact, the tech support people they made this computer for me to make it work for music. They said they had never seen anything. I had a defective CPU, a defective Windows. I'm trying to do music. It took maybe another year and a half before I could actually get back to the music, and I had lost that song, and I started again from scratch. And it's... (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, you could tell us this story, because this is the story of your life. Yes, I mean, this is the story of your life, that you are the most perseverant person and single-minded, you know, you said that, called yourself that recently, that you have the capacity to be completely single-mindedly focused, which a lot of us lack, you know, especially Todd and I. <laughs> you know, we, we struggle with distractibility. But, I, but I, want to, I want to interject something here and ask you about how you... Um, how you think that other people, other listeners out there now might relate to this story, how this might inspire them, because you're obviously a very gifted and extraordinary person. And, you know, for those of us who are not, I, I, I need some, I need a segue built here so that I can relate more to your story. <laughs> well, first of all, you should never say that you're not that gifted. Because everybody has different gifts. You know, I am very gifted in ways that a lot of other people aren't gifted, but although there's a lot of very musical people out there, uh, but I do have this intuition, which saves me, uh, you know, somehow. um, And I have to deal with an extremely defective body. But other people have other gifts that they don't recognize or they don't see them as gifts, maybe because they seem ordinary. You know, maybe your gift doesn't look as extraordinary as my gift, but you still have it. And it doesn't matter whether it looks extraordinary. It looks ordinary. It's all so irrelevant. The thing is, you do have gifts. And to feel the value, to have a sense that what you have means something. You know, everybody has something that they can identify with, that they have done where they have risen above their own petty desires to take care of someone else or to love somebody or to make somebody's uh, a meal when they're down and out and yet you feel like you're going to fall over, you're exhausted yourself, or whatever it is that you have done. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody, and by the way, I do want to get to the Granny Rocks piece later. because all I do the, too, absolutely. Yeah, the three, We've got- the three yes. Uh, because there is a whole new thing in my Granny Rocks music that's completely different from any of the CDs I've made before. But I do want to say to everybody, there has I bet you that you could find something that you have done that is just amazing that you did it, that you managed it, that you pushed yourself to the limit to do something because it mattered that much to you. And, and it can be... It could be something like uh, fixing your garbage disposal, you know, even though it took four hours or 
four days, days exactly that you didn't right. stop and you yes. made you know I've had experiences like that for sure that I mean I've been crying because I I couldn't figure something out but I was yes. not going to stop until it was done yes and yes. I, I do think that the audience needs to hear that and understand that these two are gifts. You know, the gift of perseverance is what you're really talking about so much about yourself. It's not only the innate artistic gift, which we all do have to some degree, whether it's decorating your child's nursery or, yeah. you know, or learning calligraphy or, or writing Gardening. music. Exactly. Beautiful garden, growing vegetables and... Exactly. And I you know, one of, oh, I was going to say no, something. Go ahead. I, think, I would think one of the challenges also that I've had is this notion that if it's if it's the right thing it's not supposed to be hard. Oh god. Well, if that were true, I must be on the wrong path. <laughs> Your entire life. My entire life. I mean, my entire life is a nightmare. I had to take the you know the uh, the the uh, you know when you go into co- before you go to college you have to take these SAT classes. They had to carry me to the school and plop me down in the seat. I was so sick at the time and I was running a fever and I still took the test. You know it's so it's it's all of that. It's anything. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure, you know, early on in this yeah. story that, that people could really relate to what, what your story is and not say, well, I'm not like that. No, you know, this, no. And this, this also goes back to the uh, Living with Reality book, you know, that we are all in the oneness and that if anyone is, is a wonderful artist or musician, we all are. Because we are all in the oneness. And if someone is playing music, you can feel. I, I love to do this when I'm listening to opera and I'm singing as loud as I can. And I am that opera singer, even though I am certainly not. <laughs> but I can <laughs> yeah, feel it. You know, I exactly. feel it in my body. I am that opera singer channeling right. that incredible music. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's so different. And, and by the way, some of us, when we look back on the things that we have persevered at, they're ugly, bad things. You know, how many times have people become driven to do something mean and they won't let anything stop them? Now, I'm not suggesting that that's what we do. But what I'm saying is if you have the capacity to be negative, you have the capacity to be helpful, to be positive, to make a contribution. That's a very good point, you know. I mean, look at look at people what, dr- what lengths people go to to get drugs. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they could channel that determination <laughs> in a different direction, Why they could not? be PhDs. Right. And it happens. It does. It does. People do learn. Okay. So, why don't we listen to Longing for home. Yes. So this is part of the granny rock. So so I used to be Beth Green, right? And so uh, you saw that what I did before was uh, every once in a while, something would come over me like a virus. And I would go for a few weeks, make a CD, and then it would be gone for years, years. And then all of a sudden, I've had this feeling like, no, I'm supposed to become a musician. It's a whole different phase, and I knew the music was going to be different. And two and a half years ago, I started working on this new music because I, I, all of a sudden, I could hear a drum. I was doing new age classical music, 
and I suddenly, and I never listened to rock music, and I don't know anything about pop music and so on, but I could hear drums in my head, and I just felt this different energy. I felt, this is a time that we need a different energy. That time for the classical New Age me, that spiritual teacher me, that time is gone. There's something else coming, and this was even before the 2016 election. So I, I could feel something <laughs> coming and that I needed to do something different. And I managed to get out, you know, a piece of music. And, of course, I had nothing but technical problems. And it took me two more years to get a setup where I could actually start writing music. And it's been one nightmare after another. But I actually started to get to start producing music at a very fast pace very recently. And it's very different from the music that I wrote before. It's in a new energy. I know this new energy means something it means something for all of us it has a different kind of a drive a different kind of a rhythm and it's all over the place and i'm starting to sing which i also can't do because when i start uh i i have my the the muscles in my throat are no good and i start uh and saliva keeps going to my throat and then i choke and then i can't sing more than a measure so okay you can't sing more than a measure so sing a measure sing a measure that's Sing right. A measure. Sing Come a measure. Back the next day, and then I found a way to edit in Melodyne to edit my vocals, and I mean, it's just like it's not about sh- can I; it's about how do I, how do I, and it's not. I'm not one of those ridiculous you can do anything you want things because I I could not run a marathon. I at this point, having had this terrible fall, I can't even get out of bed to go to the bathroom. So I'm not in, I'm not delusional, but it's like if I really want to do something, how can I do it? And let me give it my all and see how I can. So yes. longing for home came out of an actual moment where I was in a home that we moved into, and I, something came over me, and I sat down at the keyboard, and a song started to come out, and I knew I would have to sing. And that's that's the story. I want to say one thing before we listen to the song, and that is that the New Age classical music may still be very, very helpful and appealing to many other people. It's just that you've moved to a new phase, but I I don't want to leave people with the idea that there's no merit in listening to these other albums because they're amazing and transformational in a different way, and people may be at that stage and not this yet. Yeah, well, you know, James said that too. He said, this puts you in a different state of consciousness that is very helpful to him. But I've got, it's out. I've got three CDs like that. Now, Granny is ready to rock. Get right. in your face. Exactly. I do, I'm, I'm with you. I just wanted to add that. Glad you said that. Thank okay, you. Okay. So, Matt, can you play Longing for Home and we can listen to Beth singing one measure at a time. <laughs> oh, I long for a sweet country home. Where the children and wildlife can roam And the paths filled with leaves that can rustle in the breeze And the bird songs can drown out my moans Oh, I long for a warm city home Where the neighbors can hear when you Sing 
I long for a safe, happy home where the ego has no place to roam and our hearts can explore as we open the door to the love that we crave for our own. Wow, that is haunting. Thank you. It just gets me right in the core of my being. You know, it's so plaintive, you know, is the word that comes to my mind. You know, that that refrain of how sad the human condition is and how yeah. how deeply our hearts long to be in a safe place where the ego... You know, it's so funny... I, I, I want to say this in case other people are mishearing that is that the it's the ego and not the eagle <laughs> has no uh, place to roam. Yeah, because I you know we're we're not used to hearing songs about the ego, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. And well, you know, but we're all longing for this—a place where the ego has no place to roam, and that we are safe. And and connected and you know it's it's really what we are all longing for. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you have that response. By the way, this is this new album that I'm doing is not I'm not going to be making a CD at least not in the near future because so much now is streamed. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, right now I've got the eight songs except the one that I can't finish editing because of my arm. And then it's going to be a playlist, and it's called Rumblings of Revolution. And uh, it's, it's just full of songs that they're four instrumental, four of them are vocal, that they all have a kind of a revolutionary feeling to them, uh, even though it, in a way this is very benign. It still has that, uh, it's the rumblings of revolution. It's our connecting to what it is that we really need to fight for. And um, that's what I'm hoping that this... This album is going to, I think, I'm hoping will reach people. Now, I'm going to have a Granny Rocks music website in a couple of months. I first have to get the music finished, and um, then I've got to get a website done. I feel exhausted thinking about all of this, and um, but the music is almost done. And then, uh, Helen, maybe you or Todd can announce it when the music will be available. People will be able to listen to the entire album on my website. Absolutely. We will definitely announce it when the launch is happening, and we're very excited about it. Um, Yes. I I know we've got about 15 minutes left. I'm wondering if we should go right into, because you mentioned, you know, these are are the things that are worth fighting for, if we should go into... um, And I can't remember which one we queued up next, whether it's Love is Worth Fighting For or I'm different than you I think it's the difference one you're not like me they're you're not, not like me, me. I, I love that song I um, know maybe we could do uh, both of them and skip rumblings of revolution even though it's a very wild instrumental at the end that we had hoped to share okay it's it's a they're not like me is two minutes okay well I would love unless you have something else to say about the uh, the first song 
longing for home? Is there something else you'd like to say about that or your process? Okay, so let's listen to They're Not Like Me. Homeless people don't get cold. Not, Not in their cardboard cities. Clutching their possessions. Haunted with that, the, those words came to me first. I've done all this music in like the last few weeks because up to that point it was two and a half years of trying to get the computer to work. And right. <laughs> so there on the album there is a song, the songs that I did two and a half years ago, and then it's been two and a half years. But uh, so hey, perseverance doesn't mean it's going to come quickly. But that that uh, that concept, homeless people don't get cold. I it was haunting me and haunting me because isn't that really the problem with us is that we don't identify the truth of all of our human suffering. We're all the same and we all are cold and we're all lonely and we all have needs and we're so, all scared and we're all scared. So um, and the melody and it would haunt me too. All of a sudden, the, a melody would come to me and then I had to somehow make it happen and. And and in the midst of this, I'm suddenly feeling this drive to become a musician, not to play, you know, for, to do a CD in two weeks and disappear. I mean, this CD is taking a lot of time, but it's a, I feel the call now to use music as a way of commenting and reaching people. And I don't know if the audience will respond. I really don't know. It would be great to find out. And 
I guess I'll know more once uh, I have the whole playlist up. But I hope that I, I'm reaching people. You know, I'm getting old and I'm tired and I'm running out of steam, and, but I'm not done with trying to help. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I think steam, you know, you, you have so much steam. <laughs> I mean, I, I know what you're saying is that your body is just diminishing uh, most of the time, and then you have some up times and more energy. <laughs> but but you, I just feel your passion is still at such a high level that when you say you're running out of steam, it's hard for me to resonate with that because you have still so much passion and willingness to follow your calling. Yes. Well, I guess it's, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do? Am I going to sit around, lie in bed, and uh, and uh, uh, and cry? You know what I mean? It's a, that's the option is to lay down and die or keep going. Exactly. And have meaning and do something I feel good about. So I'd like us to go on to uh, Love is yeah. What's Worth Fighting For. Okay, we do have a caller, even though we didn't ask for callers. Yes, well, I don't think that the timing is right. Okay, that, that's good. Yeah. That's fine. Um, yeah. So I don't know whether you want to hang up, caller, or ha- or hold on. Um one thing I would like you to address, and maybe it's after the next song, is do you feel like you have a special something that allows you to pay attention to being called to do things that other people are not paying attention to? Or, or how would you describe that so that, again, we can, those of us who may not hear songs in our minds or think of a recipe or whatever, it's there's something we're not paying attention to, I have a feeling. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, see, I've never been anyone else, even though I, as an intuitive counselor, and I'm still doing counseling and leading workshops and doing that kind of stuff, um, you know, I, I do connect deeply to people. But for me, it's always been this way. I mean, since I, I started becoming a social critic at five years old, it was never a choice. I have never had a choice about my life. Uh, I was driven to do everything I did, and I still am. And um, so I don't know how people ignore it. I mean, I think I would ask you, how could you possibly ignore something that calls you so deeply and that comes into your soul so rather than me answering the question I think why don't you pose the question to the audience to think about uh, you know about whether or not they're hearing something they feel called to do something they're not not doing you know whether it's uh, volunteering in a homeless shelter or running for office or uh, you know just uh, changing your diet and uh, making it more healthy, or whatever it is, there, I think, or stopping drinking, or what you know, you hear it, you know it. It's not like you don't hear it. Right. It's just, it's that uh, you know. I don't know. At some, I don't know whether I was born with this. It's just that I never had any choice. Uh, from early on, you know, I knew I was going to lose all the privileges that could have come to me because I was talented and smart and all of that and could have become a professor and had a you know this kind of a life or that kind of a life and I I threw it all away because I was upset about the Vietnam War and uh, I just I never had a choice Ellen 
I, I love hearing that, and I think you're so right. I'd like the listeners, though, to really take on that question of what is it that's calling you? And again, it can be just improving your diet or changing your relationships to one another or yes. whatever, you know, giving up your big house and moving into a tiny home so that you can spend more time with your family or more time on activism. Yes. You know, yes. I... I Yes, give up the things that aren't nurturing you for the things that really resonate with your soul. Yes, and, and I, I... Go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, and you don't have to be great at it either. I don't know if people are going to like my music, you know. I do care. I would love you to love my music. But if you don't love my music, I'm still going to write it. Exactly. Right? Ex- exactly. <laughs> it's all about the the alignment with yes. the calling, with the calling, and we yes. all have it. I, I just wanted, I just yes. wanted you to speak to that, and I, yeah. I want people to think about that. So let's let's do listen to the next song. Love is what's worth fighting for. Yes, it's another two minute song. Okay. I have a lot of long songs, but we have some short ones here. Well, that's good. It gives us time yeah. to talk. Right. Hearts need kindness to survive. These songs just really get to me. And, you know, I've been listening to your music as long as you've been writing it, Beth. But these songs, something about them just, uh, I don't know, they... They do something very different to me than the others. And I loved the other music, too. And it's very supportive and powerful. But this music, I I wish I could say what it is, but it, it really is revolutionary and so deeply i think i think what it is for me beth is that i feel more of the connection to humanity in this music mm-hmm. 
The yeah. other music was so spiritual and it helped me get out of my humanness yes. and, and, you know, feel more spiritually powerful. But this music brings me right into my guts and right. my heart, you know, and makes me yeah. face the reality of what's happening. And, and it's very sweet and tender at the same time. It's just amazing. Well, thank you. I, I think this music is connecting us. It is the message. And there's instrumentals as well, which I, I believe equally carry that revolutionary message. So I would love to, uh, I know that you need to, and if, if people, if you like this music, if you're interested, if you want to support Granny Rocks, please, you can, uh, you know, get in touch with the show. It's grannyrocksmusic.com. I've already got a, like a landing page that says it's coming soon. Uh, I hope in another month or two I'll actually have the website out. Uh, the slogan on Granny Rocks Music is spread the music, spread the revolution. So if we, I know you have stuff to do announcing your e-card and everything, and maybe we could still leave with the little rumblings of revolution. I like that idea. We can play part of it at least. Um, I love that too. Todd, do you want to tell us what we're doing next week, which I, I, sure. I just I think relates to what you were saying about you hear it, you know, you hear the calling, or, you know, are you yeah. going to listen or not? So, Todd, yeah. will you tell us about next week. Sure. What's it like to give up everything for a calling? Yeah. Do, you have, <laughs> do you have the courage to do that? Meet Colin Wright from Exile Lifestyle Blog and listen in as host Helen Hillix talks with him. What inspired L.A. branding studio executive Colin Wright to get rid of everything he owned that didn't fit in a backpack and take off across the world? Find out how Colin inspired others to take on the minimalist lifestyle in pursuit of their dreams. Host Helen Hillix will interview Colin about what he has learned in the eight years of his travels and how it has changed his view of the world, people, politics, and what is important in life. How does his lifestyle relate to oneness, accountability, and mutual support? Join us as Colin shares how it feels to own nothing and to be alone as his blog readers vote where he will live next around the world. Are you also finding the American dream is not bringing you the happiness it promised? Are you a minimalist waiting to happen? Join (laughs) us for a revolutionary conversation about what life can look like if you are willing to give it all up and follow your calling. Well, that's an amazing coincidence. That sounds like a fantastic show. And what I'd like to say is, for some people, it's giving up everything. For me, it's spending all my money on musical equipment and <laughs> uh, accumulating things. You know, there is no one way that exactly follow the dream. It's that whatever it is to make that contribution. And by the way, for those of you who are interested, except for a very short flugelhorn part in Longing for Home, all of those sounds came out of my computer with software and I was able to play all of that out of this you know out of the computer isn't that incredible because yes, of technology technology has given me a voice technology yes. has allowed me to write technology has allowed me to make music otherwise I would have nothing and uh, I I'm have I'm very grateful yes and I'm very grateful that technology exists for that same reason so Matt, would you queue up Rumblings of Revolution? And audience, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week. And please take this music into your hearts and let it fuel the revolution that we need. Yes. Yes. 
Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.